40 of pods in the key of Springfield. Are we up to 40 now? Yeah, this is the 40th episode. Jeez, okay. Uh, Not including all the all the eat my shorts and the bullshit spinoffs and everything. This is the 40th episode of straight up standard pods in the key of Springfield. Bullshit episode seems like a bold <laughs> thing to phrase such wonderful substreams as 22 long flims about or otherwise tangentially related to Springfield. Or that, you know, Simpsons movie series we have quietly ticking over in the background. I was uh, actually, Nick, I want to propose to you... Actually, a new little mini-series on this episode. I can't wait. You know how... Okay, are you familiar with all these podcasts out there that take like a minute of a movie and like each episode is about one minute of that movie? I did not know that this was a thing. Yep, that's a whole thing. Wait, I think this... it started with the Star Wars minute or maybe not, but that's uh, that's like a thing that people do. Right. So can we do a little mini-series called uh, Monorail Minutes? Monorail minutes. Yeah, where we look at March versus the Monorail one minute per episode because that's one of the two episodes we're looking at today. March versus the Monorail and Selma's Choice. Season 4, episode 12, March versus the Monorail and season yep. 4, episode 13, Selma's Choice. And I would like to stage emphatically up front. Emphatically. That March versus the Monorail fucks. I reckon you could do that more emphatically. It fucks hard. It right. is. I'm going to go out on a limb here and... When people ask me what my favourite episode of The Simpsons is, which is a daily occurrence, as you understand, people come up to me on the street and say, James, James, what's your favourite episode, man? Yeah. Uh, Mudge vs. the Monorail has been my default answer for the last uh, three or so years, or two and a half years, since we last watched it together. Since the the run-through when you and I were both at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, mentally speaking. Yes. And we, we decided to... To winch ourselves out through the medium of Matt Groening. Yeah, when we lived together, when we were both in a bad state and we just watched a lot of The Simpsons. Yeah. Not so different from how our lives are now, really, except that we live in different homes. It's true. And now we get to share our misery with more people. Yeah. Yeah, not even that many more people, really. But, you know, <laughs> some people. <laughs> oh, it's a little joke there about our listenership. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Don't forget to tell your friends about this podcast. Please tell someone. Because if we were a TV show, we would have been cancelled by now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was weird that our release schedule got bumped to 3am on a Wednesday morning. (laughs) Not that far from the actual truth. (laughs) It's a a Simon and Garfunkel reference there for anyone that's playing along at home. Wednesday morning, 3am. It's one of my favourite songs. How does it go? I can hear the soft breathing of the girl that I love. Hello, darkness, my old friend. What are you doing? Are you getting up and leaving? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Okay. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, oh. Nick from Pods in the Key of Springfield performing the song we just talked about, I think. Is that what you're doing? I can hear the suffering of the girl that I love. She lies here beside me, asleep with the night. 
It's meant to be much more finger picky. In Springfield. But finger picking's hard. Anyway, that was. That um, was uh, finger picking good. <laughs> By KFSNG, <laughs> Kentucky Fried, Simon and Garfunkel. KF. S&G, Kentucky Fried, Simon and Garfunkel, it's finger-picking good. Sure, okay, well. You could say that song's a real zinger. (laughs) Yeah. Is the zinger burger an international thing? Do they have that at all KFCs? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. You know, in America, they don't serve chips at their KFC. I found out yesterday they have wedges. Wedges? Yeah. Nah, look, I'm... D- fuck wedges. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm not going to take a fuck wedges stance, but I do think the KFC chip is a good chip. The KFC chip is a good chip. I'm yeah. also going to... Dub- I'm going to... In in, a, in another series we're running, which is Nick has unnecessarily hot takes, because I've yeah. already cracked out against vinyl yes. um, in a recent episode. I'm also going to crack out against wedges. <laughs> the reason why is I am a big fan of sauces and toppings. <laughs> I, also, I just want to explain. I'm going to divert for a second to explain the look on your face to the <laughs> listeners, which is Nick. I've got four pages of notes <laughs> on this episode alone. We cannot talk about wedges. Guess what, James? Doing it anyway. Um, like, I know we're going to talk. I know we're going to talk about some bullshit. It's fine. Just I, tell me your feelings on wedges. I want. All I want is complete, unrestricted freedom when it comes to toppings and sauces and you worry that the wedge reins you in to just a few select it, options it, it reins you in to sour cream and sweet chili two sauces that i gotta say i'm not that well, sour cream's not really a sauce two toppings that i have to say i'm not that really enamored with mm. whereas if you have chips you open yourself up to a world of like tomato sauces barbecue sauces mustards dips like hot sauces everything's there with gravy even but with wedges you only ever get sour cream and sweet chili, and that's bullshit. But is that not part of the the social contract we built up around wedges? Could it not be? Much as this podcast is sometimes just not about The Simpsons, couldn't wedges sometimes just go into a different dip? They could be, but they don't. Couldn't you maybe lead this revolution? Do you think? I'd like to, but w- what I'm saying is that, like, the reason why I say fuck wedges is if I'm ever at a place and I'm faced with a choice of ordering a bowl of hot chips. Or a bowl of wedges, wedges are never going to get there for me because no. th- with the chip, the chips might have a mustard, they might have an aioli, they might have all kinds of stuff on the side of them. The wedges are only ev- they could even have like a fucking jalapeno relish on the side of it, right? The wedges are only ever, ever going to have sour cream and sweet chili. I guess my argument, uh, and I'm not going to make much of an argument because I would like to talk about the Simpsons, but my argument would be that the wedge is a heartier option. If like if all you're going to eat is some chips, mm. then I think eating the bowl of wedges is maybe going to leave you slightly more satisfied than the bowl of chips would. You might feel like less of a piece of shit after the bowl of wedges. Or more fulfilled, Right, I suppose. Right. Mm. Whereas the chips, I don't know, like the grease is going to get you down over time and the, the fact that you're just eating a big bowl of chips. I, I think wedges have their place, is what I'm saying. Nah, nah. I'm running a wedge-free society over here. Okay, well, I'm not going to persuade you on wedges, but uh, Marjorie versus the Monorail, I think we're on the same page with, aren't we? Oh my god, this episode is exhaustingly good. Yes. Uh, The opening couch gag is a bunch of characters running into the room and all crowding around the television. You know why? Because they all want to watch this episode. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Because this episode fucks, and they all... 
want to watch it. Does does this uh, does that couch gag appear? At the, I'm sure it appears at the start of other episodes. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I don't think I don't think most couch gags repeat. I think the uh, the circus carnival one does because it's a time filler. But this one I think oh, is okay. a singular. Well, in that in that case, non-repeating one. We could check that, but we won't. But in that case, it's even better that this is. Um, possibly one of the best, most densely packed episodes. Yes. And it's the only one that has the entire town crowding around to watch it. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, this episode, I'm pretty sure... I should have looked this up, but I'm pretty sure it was written by Conan O'Brien. Oh, yes. Who that only wrote sense. a handful of episodes, but they're all amazing. Like, um, Homer Goes to College, which is also one of his, might be my second favourite episode of The Simpsons, I think. Very good. Conan O'Brien was an amazing writer. And he wrote this, and it's amazing, and I love it. I love it so much mm. that uh, I think I might just collapse midway through this episode out of joy. All right. The moment this episode started... like then I can finally get to talk about some chips more. Once it properly started, you just loudly screamed, fuck, in excitement yeah, <laughs> at what was happening on the screen. We had been talking, as we were navigating the menu, we'd been talking about what a good episode Marge versus the monorail is. And I was like, yeah, you're right, this episode's really good. This is so densely packed, it's amazing. And then as soon as the episode starts and we see that Homer starts with the Flintstones Simpson Homer Simpson song. Yep, yabba dabba do. I had forgotten that that was at the start of this episode. And so I lost my mind. I already had a very high bar for where this episode was going to sit. And then, as you point out, I quite rightly scream, fuck very loudly, because it was such a wonderful revelation to realise that this too is in this episode. And he crashes right into a chestnut tree. Nick, can I just say, yabba dabba do, I like podcasting with you. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> oh, man. This might actually be an episode where we talk about The Simpsons a lot. It, that be it something? could be. So, <laughs> so watch our listenership plummet. <laughs> or um, go up. Uh, I don't think it's going to go it's up. It's hard to know what people want. Well, you, you keep playing with bottle tops there. You're I'm, making so much noise. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm very fidgety today. I've, so far in this recording, I've played with my S9 phone box. I've played with some golf tees. I've played with some bottle caps. Yeah, pick up a harmonica next and just start <laughs> playing prison tunes. I'm like fucking... I'm like You picked up a guitar here. started <laughs> playing that. I think it's because I know that this episode is going to be very Simpsons heavy and so I'm, I'm sub, subconsciously rebelling against that. I can also, just looking at what's on the table in front of us, I can also play with a coin, a guitar pick, some textures, a mini cricket bat for some reason, <laughs> a paid water bill, um, and uh, a remote. So yeah. I've, I've I've got some some things I can do, some yeah. things I can fidget with. Sure, <laughs> but let's uh, let's you know, let's try to keep this a professional operation that people can listen and say, "All oh, right, I liked that." <laughs> um, Burns pays the city three million dollars. Yep. Could this be the end of the economic crisis? <laughs> the economic crisis. I got I got a lot of thoughts on this. All right, I think I'm going to have to just sit back and let you take the lead on this because you because for the listeners, Jaiko legitimately has four pages of notes for this episode. Well, I have four notes. You've got I thought you had more than four notes. You uh, seem to be writing a lot. During I've, the I've episode. got a, I've, I've actually got a full uh, the closest I've ever had to a full page. <laughs> I love the covert music in The Simpsons. Wow, I think it's from something. Uh, I Maybe. Think, I think it's from something too, actually. Um, oh, fuck, I used to know that. It's like Beverly Hills Cop? No, it's from a movie. 
That is a movie, isn't it? Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking of Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> Very different. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Good covert music. So it opens up with Old Mate Burnsy and Smithers uh, smuggling toxic waste out of the plant and just dumping it. And they say they can't dump anymore at the playground because all those bald children are arousing suspicion. Very good. Maybe the darkest joke they could have possibly made, I think. <sighs> the implication that children are dying is a direct result of their actions. Yeah. A joke that I like a lot, though. No, it's a very good joke. I think if you're going to make a joke about children dying, this is the most nuanced way to do it. Is <laughs> <laughs> And that's what you want. You want nuance. Yeah. Uh, so there, they're dumping it all in a park, and then some Boy Scouts stumble upon their little game of hide the ooze. Hide another the great, ooze. Another great line this episode is just great, top to bottom. Very good. The episode then very quickly turns into a critique of capitalist crime. Oh. <laughs> just, uh, this really made me think, you know how like he has to pay $3 million, and he just says, just pull my wallet out, and I'm going to buy that statue over there as mm, well. Mm, mm. Now, what this is saying is that billionaires could just sort of save society with their fucking pocket change. Like, mm. at any moment... Elon Musk, Bill Gates, all these people mm. could just sort of like fix huge problems. Uh, isn't there... Jeff Bezos, he could do it. Yeah, isn't there a thing... I think he's the one I'm going to talk about. Because wasn't there a report recently or an article that said like Jeff Bezos could... Or maybe it was Musk. No, I think it was Bezos. He's the Amazon guy, isn't he? Yeah. Um, with American average house prices, I think it's the, the, the statistic was... He could buy a house for every for every homeless person in America and yeah. still have like eight million dollars or eight billion dollars left yeah, or something like absurdly. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh and of course, you know, Amazon has the worst fucking work practices of yeah. just about any big business, you know. People commit suicide in their warehouses. It's yeah, ludicrous. But uh yeah, just this very pointed thing where Burns like three million dollars is like just in his wallet. In his wallet just hanging and out. It's gonna. It's enough to completely overhaul the town. They spend. I mean, frankly, three million dollars doesn't seem like enough to build a monorail. But you know, whatever. Oh, that's an interesting thing. What's the? What is the average cost of a monorail? Who well, knows? in my experience, building monorails is much closer to like a six hundred million dollar project. I think. Mm. But, oh, but uh, I guess if you're building them very cheap, like Lanley is, yeah, then it's a different prospect. I like that old mate Burnsy is in the uh, Silence of the Lambs, like a uh, get-up in the in the court. Mm. Where he's got the face mask on and everything. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? Nope. Have you seen that TV series Hannibal? No. Have you read any of the books about the character Hannibal? No. Okay. Are you going to make me read books? I don't I mean, you could I don't, if you want. I, I don't want to do that. I was doing a topic at university where I was meant to read Silence of the Lambs. We were studying Silence of the Lambs, and the coordinator kept saying, I was going to get you to read Red, Dra- uh, Red Dragon, but that book it is too fucked up. I can't make you do it. It's too messed up. Uh, I decided not to do it. So I read Red Dragon instead. <laughs> Good book. I see. Yeah. And then, of course, it's also the basis for the second half of Hannibal Season 3. Mads Mickelson, if you're out there... We would love to have you on the podcast. Is the reason why... We are mad about Mads. Is yeah. the reason why Red Dragon hit hit too close to home for that particular le- lecturer, the reason why it was too messed up, 
is it because it talks about the um, the uh, 2002 or three incident at the Royal Adelaide show where the Spin Dragon, one of the rides in Sideshow Alley, came loose and killed several people? Seems unlikely that that's the reason why. Okay, I'm, I was just trying to think of reasons about why that would hit an Adelaide lecturer so hard. <laughs> You're seeing that thing. What are some incidences where local dragons have killed people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And turns out I had one locked and loaded and ready to go. There's a scene in Red Dragon where a man eats a painting. So, you know. It's a painting. Was it a painting of food? <laughs> no, it was of a dragon. A uh, red dragon, if uh, you will. What? At least I think that happens. Was there some symbolism behind the painting? Yeah, I think so. Right. Were the paints toxic? Dad, it says non-toxic. Well, that's a plus. Well, that's a plus. He says while eating the painting. Uh, the play. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, I'm going to cross that note. I'm going to cross that note. So the Simpsons are thinking about how they would spend the money, and Lisa imagines some sort of VR Genghis Khan, <clears throat> yeah, uh, thing. Venga- a Genghis Khan simulator. Yes. Yes. Now I'm wondering. Does this exist yet? This feels like if this existed, it would have come up in my periphery since I work in video games. Yeah. I I don't think anyone has made the definitive VR Genghis Khan simulator. I'm surprised that no one has. Also, um, something that you might be able to help me on. Yeah. Is is VR actually being used much in the educational space? Or is it just being used still as like, hey, look, I'm playing job simulator in VR. It's like I'm sitting at a real desk. See, I... Most of my knowledge on that sort of thing is actually a few years out of date at this point because I used to write a lot about VR. Don't so much anymore, but I don't think it was really uh, coming into the educational spaces so much last time I checked. It is more like job training. I guess it would be. I guess it'd be difficult to equip a class of thirty students out with VR goggles. Yeah, I mean you could get the cheap ones, but eh, there probably are movements what, being like, made towards like, that, like Google Cardboard. You mean that kind of? Yeah, that sort of thing. Like slot the phone in. Yeah, 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 right. But uh, I don't know. They were making interesting. This is kind of like not that funny, but they're making advances in uh, like medical treatment and uh, training for various, you know, like using dangerous machinery, that sort of thing. There's a lot of applications of VR there. I wrote an article about VR pornography once. That sounds horrifying. Mm. Yeah, everything. I wait. You really perked up. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I perked up in in a sense of mm, that sounds like an interesting thing to write about. Yeah. And you can read that. I forget which website it was on. Uh, Lateral, I think. Was that the name of the thing? Anyway, it's out there somewhere. Just Google my name and then pornography. And that's what you'll find. Um, you know, you just picked up your phone as I said that. You're no, not Googling I'm, my name and then pornography, are you? I'm picking it up to check. Uh, no, that's not a joke I want to make. <laughs> what? Never mind. No. Okay, okay. I was going to say, is lateral a joke? Is lateral a medication used to treat people that have a climbing-based ADHD? Oh, okay. Adderall, lateral, ladders. Okay, climbing. okay. I, I get it, I get it. People that have snake-based ADHD, that joke won't fly in America because they call it, that game shoots and ladders. <laughs> I mean, even over here, it's it's a bit of a stretch. So... That's okay. Everything's good. Uh, but imagine some giant ant robots. Uh, this episode fucks. Mechanical ants. Yeah. There is a joke every four seconds in this episode, and all of them are good. Yes. It's a very extremely dense episode. Yeah. If this was a cake, you would say, a little dense on my taste. But as an episode of TV, it fucks. It'd be like the Boston mud cake from the Cheesecake Shop. Yeah. Very dense. You cut yourself, a big, you cut yourself a big slice. You cut yourself a nice triangle. 
uh, you get half a, a mouthful in and go, fucking hell, there's a bit much of that. Yeah, but it's the cake that would be at every party between 2003 and about 2009, I think. Yeah, I reckon that's a pretty solid timeline of the Boston mud cake time. Yeah, because I feel like they have fewer locations now than they used to. The old, yeah, uh, they do. Yeah. The cheesecake shop. Yeah. Where is the nearest cheesecake shop and do you want to get cake? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> a little bit. Excellent. I want to talk about this town meeting where we meet Lyle Landley because I've got a question that sure. is uh, burning, burning away at me here. Burnsing? Yeah, we meet Mr. Snrub in this scene. Snrub. And he thinks they should give all the money to the power plant. Smithers likes the way he thinks, obviously. Uh, who is this guy? He's unfamiliar to me. Who is Snrub? Um, well, I had always assumed, and maybe this is naive, because yeah. I think generally your general knowledge of The Simpsons is higher than mine. I had always assumed that it was Mr. Burns wearing a moustache, but the fact that you haven't picked up on that makes me question my Mr. own Burns reality. wearing a moustache. What are you talking about, Nick? He's it's a different just, guy. He's got a different name. It's Mr. Burns in a... a snrub. Snrub is Burns backwards. Better look Burns suit. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that suit Burns better, sneaky peeks. I get it, but... Yeah. Um, but this is a different person, right? It's, uh... Actually, wait. In the sneaky peeks thing, you, you do the backward speech thing. Yeah. If you take... Znrub. And then you're going to reverse it here. It's not going to sound like Burns. 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 It might. It might. We'll right. find out. We'll uh, James, edit that. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> oh, man, I really have a lot of notes for this. Uh, so, Lyle Landley pops up and he says, Hey, instead of uh, fixing Main Street, uh, let's build something flashy to make the town look better and, you know, something fun instead of actually fixing. Yeah the major issues we have in the town, which is this episode, this episode, Nick. Yes. I don't even know how to deal with how good this episode is. I mm. work professionally as a critic. You know, this is what I do. I look at things and I break them down and I explain what works and what doesn't and I critique and I just fall apart at this episode. This episode is so ludicrously good. It is very, very good. Like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that anyone could make anything this good. <laughs> uh, this is great because I'm I'm actually now I'm just annoying you by how non-invested I am. <laughs> I love this episode a lot, but I can't match your energy, so I'm going in the opposite direction and I'm doodling on my notepad. <laughs> Even the character design on Lyle, like that little like squint he has around his eyes, like every fucking detail and of the this little, episode, and the little innocent like baby curl that pops out from under his boater hat. Yes, yes, it's tremendous. Now, I'm pretty sure that wide swaths of this episode are a, a parody of some movie that I have not seen. I don't remember the name of this movie, and I refuse um, to look it up because uh, you whatever the up. movie is, this episode has superseded it in importance. In every way. The original art this is based on is now irrelevant. Yes. Much versus the monorail is the only true form of art. It is maybe the crowning achievement of Western civilization in the 20th century. So Homer gets asked by the um, the monorail ad on TV. Yes. Are you on your third beer for the evening? And Homer responds with an extraordinarily um, relatable... Does whiskey count as beer? Yes. Uh, would you like a beer? Yes. All right. <laughs> would you like me to keep talking or take a break? Oh, 
Okay, so let's 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 talk about this pods audience. Uh, I've mentioned before on this podcast that my grandfather often will see like a joke and he'll find something other than the punchline itself funny. Like he might look at a Gary Larson comic and just find it funny that the cows are talking. Homer laughing at the mule with the spinning wheel anecdote and saying, hey, hey, mule, it's very much that. So this episode always makes me think of my grandfather. Is your grandfather the person that I met and he said, oh, I haven't seen you for years. Yep. D- don't open that just yet. I just okay. Shook. I was going to roll it, but okay. You got no, it. No, I'm a shame. Yeah, you met him it. and he said he hadn't seen you in a long time. You said, I've never met you, old man, and pushed him over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Only some of that is true. I was going to try to get out of it with a joke, but he knew he, I knew he wouldn't get the joke, so I just thought I'd push him <laughs> over instead. <laughs> yeah, you pulled out your phone and just showed him some Gary Larson's. <laughs> <laughs> Had a royal old time with them. See, it's cow tools. Now, I've got a note here that just says, Pure Joy, and then Joy is underlined. Oh. And right next to that, in all caps, I've written, The ring came off his pudding can. Yes. Okay, is that the moment you find pure joy? I, th- I find this whole episode... I'm, I'm having a good time. Nick. You know how rare time. it is that I enjoy yeah. things. Yeah. No. I, yes. I. Yes. I've been with you in the Mariana Trench. I love the. Do you reckon there's a thing called the Marinara Trench, which is just like a, a, a pasta sauce, like a seafood based <laughs> pasta sauce? That could be like a an option at a restaurant. Uh, yeah, I'll have the Marinara Trench. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll have just a... give you a trough of marinara sauce. <laughs> And there's just like, you have to dig through it with your hands to find like scallops and prawns. I would be so into the marinara trench. <laughs> they give you a little like scuba mark so you can just plunge your head into it and like look from side to side. <laughs> you like bobbing for prawns? Bobbing for prawns, yeah. <laughs> I love this monorail song because it devolves into being about nothing so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with, you know, actual questions. I hear the tracks are awfully loud, flies as softly as a cloud, uh... And then eventually, were you sent here by the devil? No good, sir. I'm on the level. Yep. The ring came off my pudding can. <laughs> it's perfect. It's beautiful. What a what a fucking pure piece of work. It's wonderful. It's good. Yes, I find it very difficult to to know what to do in this episode where you're just saying things are good, <laughs> and I agree with you that they're good. <laughs> I'm trying to find ways that I can change the rhythm of this episode. <laughs> So your entire strategy here is to not only sabotage the episode, but to live never... You're doing like Shakespearean asides here. <laughs> you have like little soliloquies where you pull up to the side and like, <laughs> me thinks the episode is going too well. Yeah. No, it's, it's not that. Certainly I shall supply him with odious methods. <laughs> my, my concern is, my concern is if this episode becomes... 90 minutes of me saying, yes, James, I agree, that bit is good. But that's going to be a tedious episode. I'm trying to find ways to balance. To- <laughs> I'll supplicate his joys and pay sucker to the uh, to the episode. We need some light and shade here is all I'm saying. Some light and shade? We need some light and shade. Okay, well, we can drink these beers. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, they sounded so good in my headphones. <laughs> Now, I cross out the third beer of the evening note. Um, <laughs> floating heads. The floating heads and the and the repeated phrases. It's like the third or fourth time in this season that we've seen that oh, device. Oh, yeah, a scene where Marge is driving along in her car and she sees the heads floating around saying, I've sold monorails and so-and-so. My yeah. name's Lyle. And it goes on Lyle. like that, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I really like that season four, this is the, the season for that device. 
I also, I really like Homer Sees the Ad for the Trocosaurus movie starring Marlon Brando as John Trocosaurus. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never made this connection, but you know how I have that stupid joke where movies oh, yeah. are always just... Like the, Alfred John Wick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or John Boyhood, Renegade Cop, which yeah. is what the movie Boyhood is about. Yeah, totally. I really like the movie Boyhood, by the way. Have we talked about the movie Boyhood on this um, podcast? What's the movie Love the Beast about? Uh, that's about... Uh, Eric Love the Beast? Oh, no, actually, it's about Eric Love, who is a beast. Oh, nice. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Yeah, that's better. That works. That works. That works. Eric Love. Eric Love, if you are listening, um, you know, we've actually already done our Love the Beast episode. We're not really interested in having you on the podcast, unless you want to come on and play your classic character, Poyter. I I also think that our our references to Love the Beast have basically ended after we watched that episode, after we watched that movie. Um, (laughs) Although our love for the beast... Carries on. Carries Would on. you say that in some ways the monorail in this episode is a beast? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I would say I call the big one piety. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, you hate that joke. It, it, that joke gets too much love. It's just not very good. <laughs> it gets too much Eric love. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just looking at my notes and having a real good time with them. Uh, the bit where Homer... Looks at Bart and says, "Would you like to be like me when you grow up? The kids could call you Hoju mm-hmm. if he renamed himself to Homer Junior." He says that with such sincerity. The kids can call you Hoju. Dan Castellaneta is killing it. Everyone is killing it. Uh, Homer realizing he could die in the shower in this episode. Yes, where he's you know Marge is like, "Oh, monorails are dangerous." I'm Marge, and he says, "Well, I could slip over and soap in the shower." And then he jumps up and says, oh my god, I'd be killed. Say the full quote, I could slip over in the shower, I'm, I'm Homer. Homer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'd be killed. I feel like this is a thing that happens to me every day. I'm constantly thinking about the ways I could die. Is it, it Something I find really interesting about the process of getting old is that you do have shocking realisations mm. of... Um, I suppose things that you've always subconsciously known, but you've never thought about the actual um, uh, real world affectation of how that would be. Yeah. Like, I remember once I was driving home and I was quite tired. And then the next day I was like, hang on a minute. If I'd had a moment of drifting off to sleep and hit someone, Mm. I'd be in jail for ages. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And someone might die. And someone might die. Yeah. All those moments where sometimes I'll be walking around, I'll, I'll be walking down the cereal aisle at um, at my local supermarket and just go, hang on a minute, if I died, it would be a long time before anyone found me. <laughs> not not in the cereal aisle, if I died in my house. Yeah, I have that realisation yeah, all the time. We it, both live alone. It's, yeah, uh, we do. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, it's those those realisations where, where Homer has the realisation he could die in the shower. I'm, I'm very um, familiar with the concept of those sudden horrifying realizations because I have them all the time. I live right near a very busy road and sometimes I have to cross that road on foot. Yeah. And I'll sometimes I think, oh, I can make it. I just need to like move a little quicker than usual. Sometimes I get to the other side of the road and think, you know, if I had like tripped up, I would die. Would it be more correct to say cross the road on feet? Because you have two. Well, I'm usually hopping. So oh, that's the... I see. Well, I mean, yeah. that does add to the risk of tripping. Yeah. And the drivers lean out the window and say, you're hopping mad. Yeah. Fuck wet. Yep. <laughs> and then they start throwing um, 
uh, they start throwing tennis balls at you and saying, you're hopping mad and tripping balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Ah, oh, man. What a fucking... Um, the scene... Oh, the scene. The scene, Nick. Yes. The scene where Homer and Marge went bad. Do you mean seen it? That, um, play, <laughs> yeah, that old PlayStation 2 video game? <laughs> was that a PlayStation 2 video game or was that Xbox? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I feel like it was available on both. The scene... I don't think it was an exclusive. I think it might have been an Xbox exclusive, but really? that, we'll oh, brush okay. right past that. Cool. The, the bit where Homer... Oh, maybe I'm thinking of You Don't Know Jack. Which was originally on PC and then eventually came to basically every console as part of the Jack yeah. Pack party collection pack. The Jack pack. pack. Yeah, the Jack Pack. Yeah, the Jack Black Jack Pack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, cool. <laughs> uh, the scene where Homer is in bed and he's trying to like get Marge in the mood. And he says, what well, if I talk like this? Yeah. There was a... There's this Facebook group that I became a member of called Simpsons Peaks. Okay. And somebody posted a... Perfect crossover between The Simpsons and Twin Peaks for this moment. Mm. And now that I've started explaining this, I've immediately realized, oh, this is not going to be funny for anyone, really, except me, just remembering it. But it's, uh, they replaced, they replaced Homer with the arm and the arm saying, I'm the arm. What if I am the arm and I talk like this? It's funny. Just take my word for it. Okay. He's the arm and he talks like this. He's talking backwards. Who's the arm? He's the man from another place. In the return, he's replaced with a tree because the actor went lost his mind. So would I if I was only an arm. He accused David Lynch of killing Jack Nance. He has to cross the road on an arm instead of on foot. Uh, that's been sneaky pics for this week. Uh, that's been sneaky pics. We're like the dreamer. Dreams. And then lives inside a tree. Sneaky pics. Mono equals, mono equals one, rail equals rail. Yes. When I was teaching my uh, my grammar course at university, because I'm a fun, sexy guy, uh, <laughs> in week three... What's the least sexy story about yourself that you've got? I've got one locked and loaded for me. <laughs> the least sexy thing about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it might be this thing I'm about to say. The first slide of week three of my grammar <laughs> class is a good strong start. Uh... My first slide would be that screenshot of him pointing at mono equals one, rail equals rail. Mm-hmm. And then the caption would be, and that concludes our three-week course. Very good. Yeah. Nobody ever found it as funny as I did. That's very good. But that's fine. It was all um, for me. My story is that uh, the first time I ever got hay fever mm. was during a game of competitive chess at school. <laughs> Because on Friday nights I was part of the chess team and I started, my eyes started weeping uncontrollably from the hay fever and I didn't really know what was going on because I'd never had hay fever before. And then the person I was playing against who was incidentally beating me quite badly at the chess game looked up at me and said, oh, it's okay, it's just a game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stop crying. (laughs) Stop crying everywhere. Lurleen Lumpkin's really taken a hit in this episode. Yeah, she spent last night in a ditch. Yeah. Also, um, possibly an alternate universe lunch Lady Doris. Yeah, voiced by the same actress, and we're thinking this was some sort of crossover universal thing. Yeah, possibly. Remember we used to have that theory all the time about how... We used to. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I haven't done one of these for a while, but when we noticed... 
when we noticed characters with similar voices, I decided that instead of simply using the same voice actors, um, what it actually meant was that we were seeing two mm. different uh, un- uh, planes of our universe coming together, or, or multiple universes coming together. Smashing um, together. So folding over each other, and that these characters were appearing in both uh, both their iterations at the same time in the mm. one universe, a little bit like... The runny gooey parts when you fold an omelette over. Yeah, the runny gooey parts. The runny gooey parts. So you Hello, think my, might... name's, my name's Gooey, first name Ronnie. I'm Ronnie Gooey. So you think there might be some sort of uh, crossover here between... It might be the omelette verse. The omelette verse might be coming back. I think the omelette verse never really left. I think it's been ticking over solidly. And I think we've set the heat to low maybe, but I think it's still cooking. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, uh, so Marge goes to North Haverbrook, which by gum, uh, Lyle Landley... Put on the map. Yep. Uh, by the way, Phil Hartman is amazing in this episode. But anyway, uh, very, very she goes good. there. She very meets good, Sebastian Cobb. Very good slimy salesman. Very good at everything. Yeah. Just amazing. Sebastian Cobb fucks. Uh, sure. A lot of elements of this episode fuck. I, I'm not sure who's playing Sebastian Cobb. But when he's talking about that, the... That would be impossible for us to find that information. You are right. Yeah. yeah. We only have intranet access here. It's just uh, the websites you like and frequent. Man, you've just made me think of Netscape Navigator, and I haven't thought about that browser for a long time. Yeah. Wow, apparently the word intranet is forever linked with Netscape Navigator in my head. I had to write the word intranet yesterday in a thing that I was working on. So, Why? You know, intranet on the head. <laughs> Internet on the head. Yeah, wasn't that the second album by Chumbawamba? <laughs> <laughs> Internet on the head, the nineteen ninety seven smash hit. <laughs> oh, tremendous. <laughs> Intra Malone as well. That's uh, another reference we can make. <laughs> oh yeah, good. that's you know, it's. Uh, I guess that's like a post Malone album, but you can only listen to it if you're in his house. I guess mm. be what Intra. You can only listen to it when you're already... No, it's an album that you can only listen to when you're at a concert of his. Now, when, uh, when Sebastian Cobb says... Sebastian Cobb. Yeah, that the celebrity on the main voyage of the North Haverbrook monorail was Gallagher. Gallagher. Have you ever listened to the uh, Mark Maron episode about Gallagher? I'm yeah. not going to ask who you guys are, don't okay. worry. Okay, That's cool. on the list. Where's the list, by the way? Oh, I threw that away. <laughs> Why did you throw the list away? I'm sorry. You don't throw away anything. There's a bill here that was paid in November 2017. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the pay date there. <laughs> you know what I've got here? I've got the package of my Christmas present from the holiday episode. <laughs> But you throw out the list I wrote like five <laughs> days ago. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I think what that is called. I think that is a concept known as situational blindness, I think. So there, there's an interesting phenomenon where um, people in office buildings... Um, so in office buildings, they specifically put fire extinguishers in very prominent places. But because you see them all day, every day, whenever you go into the office, you actually end up being blind to the fact that they're there. Your brain just doesn't bother taking it in anymore. Yeah. Turns out, when I was cleaning my house, that bill that's been paid since the 12th of November 2017 <laughs> has been there for so long that I simply don't see it anymore. <laughs> Whereas this list that you wrote five days ago, I was like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> I cannot have this rubbish in my house. That means I'm going to have to listen back to the fucking episode now to remember what was on there. So sorry. And then what you're going to have to do, to be honest, is put that in a frame. Because if it's in a frame, I won't throw it out. Because <laughs> I'll assume it's art. 
I like the implication there that you can't recognize the difference between art and just a list in a frame. Uh, do I, I, I can't. Like the fucking, what was the, 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 the thing the Australian government paid a lot for? Blue Poles by David someone or other. That's just a list of poles, if you ask me. <laughs> sure. That's the one of the weirdest <laughs> references I'm ever going to make on this show. But anyway, the Gallagher episode of uh, What the Fuck with Mark Marin. Again, can't ask who these guys are. It was on the list, although the list isn't here anymore, so maybe I can. Maybe it's a freeform world. But, um, yeah, Gallagher's a piece of shed based on that episode. So, Gallagher, you're mm. not welcome on the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, leave those watermelons alone. The, you there's, know? there's a live episode of uh, Probably Science, a podcast hosted by comedians Andy Wood and Matt Kirshen. A live episode in which they had Peter Serafinowicz, you'd know him, from something. Yeah, he plays The Tech on that yeah. TV show, The Tech. Yeah, sure. Um, so and- Griffin Newman from the podcast Blank Check as sure. Arthur. Sure. I haven't seen it, but I like Blank Check a lot. Sure. The the He the- also played... <laughs> Darth Maul, I believe. This is how it feels to be you. <laughs> the um, the uh, the the guests on this live episode were Peter Serafinowicz and Gallagher, and Gallagher was just spouting all this horrible, weird stuff. Yeah, he does um, that. And yeah, and Peter Serafinowicz was going, "What the fuck are you talking about, man?" It was really good. It's weird that they still invite Gallagher to do things. At one point, Gallagher, I think, said, with no hint of irony. I think he started talking in this episode about how he invented splashing. <laughs> what, the concept? The, concept the action of, of splashing? The, the action of splashing. <laughs> Baffling. But anyway. I'm I, sure there was some sign, you know, the very early scientists just sort of partly stepped in and Jumpy's like, well, this is fucking great. <laughs> you will not enjoy this on the same level as me. Um, uh, I really enjoyed your reaction when the guy said, when, when Sebastian Cobb said, this special guest was Gallagher. And your reaction was, ha, ah, fuck! Take that, Gallagher! Yeah. I really enjoyed it. That's a bit loud. Whatever. But I, like, this episode came out in like the early 90s, and Gallagher's still allowed to do things. It's weird. People yeah. know that Gallagher sucks. Yeah. People have always known. So the monorail... I, I like the weird little thing about like celebrity guests showing up for the monorail, but it is... It hits a little close to home when they show, like, here's this teen star who's actually 34. Yeah. And the 34-year-old, like, his face creases up into wrinkles when he smiles. Because mm-hmm. I'm 30. Yeah. You're 31. Yep. We're nearly 34. Yep. Yeah. I don't look anywhere near as good as Sideshow Luke Perry. No, I don't, I don't think my face completely crumples up when I smile. Although I smile very rarely, to be fair. Give us a smile? No. Oh. I mean, you're looking at me like a zoo exhibit. I was going to give you... Oi, gonna, give me a smile. I was going to give... <laughs> Oi, give me a smile. And then you know what you can do with that smile? You can put it on the ass. Um, um, uh, no, I, I, our faces are fucking renaissance artworks. Yeah, we got we got faces. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy fucks. <laughs> He's very good. All right. The whole thing about nobody giving a shit about like who he is or what he does and like getting irritated by him is very funny mm. and basically your reaction to everything and everyone. And Pretty so much. I can imagine you enjoyed yeah. all of the Leonard Nimoy stuff. I did enjoy the Leonard Nimoy. I'm also I'm glad that he was willing to play along with an entire town, a, a, a town full of people not really giving a fuck about who he was. I mean, didn't we just find out on an earlier episode that was originally going to be George Takei? Oh, yes, we did. One, um, yeah, whatever that episode was. I just yeah. edited it like the other day. So yeah. um, <coughs> that was the Eat My Shorts where we talked about that, uh, that Eat article. Eat My Shorts. Eat My Shorts. What the hell? How many my shorts? Um, but, you know, normally, well, especially recently, the, the guest appearances have all become so fucking 
positive and pandering that it's good to see, you know, hey, Leonard Nimoy, do you want to be on this show in which no one will like you and most characters will show active disdain for you? <laughs> and you'll just be telling anecdotes about Star Trek that nobody enjoys. Mm. Very good. Very, very good. Lyle's running around with literal briefcases full to overflowing of cash. Which yeah. I enjoy. That's good. Have you uh, ever held a briefcase full of cash? Uh, only if I'm going to a drug deal or something like that. I thought you had a brief stint in which you were one of the models on Deal or No Deal. Am I correct? Uh, I mean, there wasn't actually any cash in those briefcases, though. It was just a number. Oh, that's a really thing. And, like, every week they would give me the $1 case, so nobody would ever pick me because they all... Actually, everybody would pick me. That's how that show works, isn't it? You don't get to see what's in the case until they open it. I can't watch that show. It makes me too angry. I get so angry at everyone for not... Stopping earlier. The thing that annoys me about Deal or No Deal is that, um, look, I'm not the best at understanding statistics and probability, Mm. but what I do know is that everyone who goes on Deal or No Deal, they've all got a system and they're all fucking terrible. It's always the same system. They just keep playing. (laughs) That's the system. But but, but they've always got this ridiculous like, oh, well, I've decided I'm only going to pick numbers that are... Uh, that are multiples of three and factors of 88. And it's like, what? That doesn't help. It, it doesn't make any sense. And then people... You might as well just start from one and go from there. Or, exactly. Mm. That, that's what I would do. I would start from one and I would go through to 26 or however many they have. Or, the thing that drives me completely insane is it'll be something like, you know, you want to knock out the, the $1 thing because that'll help bump up the average which means you get a nicer offer yeah and instead of bumping out the one dollar or whatever it is you bump out the next one up yeah and everyone goes pretty close (laughs) in what world is that pretty close you have no like there's see i would not be entertaining on that show because the moment they're offering me like four thousand dollars i'm like yep i'll take that yeah, because four thousand dollars would be a genuinely life changing amount. Yeah, this is like the poor person in me talking, I suppose. But you know when people are like, they've just been offered like thirty three thousand dollars, but they could win fifty, and they're like, yeah. "Well, I came here with nothing, yeah. so I'm happy to lose. I'm happy to live with nothing." Okay, Why? you came with nothing, but you don't have nothing anymore. You've you been thirty three thousand dollars. Like if somebody walked up to you on the street and was like, "Hey, would you like thirty three thousand dollars, or would you like to roll this fucking dice for a chance to yeah. win more?" You'd say, yeah, give me the $33,000. That's crazy. Of course I'm going to take that money. Of course you'd take that money. Yeah. And then- Don't keep playing. Like, if you're at the casino, you're not putting $33,000 on black. That reminds me. Should we check how my Bitcoin <laughs> account's currency. going? <laughs> Which cryptocurrency do you have again? Oh, uh, I had four or five. <laughs> they were all going poorly. Okay, well, this is Nick's crypto corner. Nick's <laughs> crypto going- corner. I'll tell you what I did, though. You're not going to like what I did, Joker. <laughs> I'm not. Bitcoin crashed so badly mm. that I decided it would be a good time to buy some. Sure. So I took all my other, um, <clears throat> I took all my other bits of crypto. Yeah. Oh, hang on. My network's just crashed out. Oh, fuck. I took all my other bits and pieces because I had some Ethereum. I had some, some, a couple of weird coins that were just bullshit. Um, I took all of them, transferred them over to Bitcoin while it was low, and then I may have put in an extra $20 <laughs> to get Bitcoin while it was low. Um, okay. So, let me see. Ooh. Oh, 
Well, well, okay. How are your cryptocurrencies going? The my account is worth about thirty seven dollars. Okay. Keep in the mind, one that you put fifty dollars into. So this was originally fifty. Yeah. It went all the way down to about fourteen dollars. Yeah. Then I added twenty new dollars and used that to buy Bitcoin. So, okay. Fuck. So from, fr- I mean, from seventy dollars, I have thirty seven dollars. Yeah. Okay. That's... But I mean, <laughs> but... I, I, it's weird because of that thirty seven dollars. Um. Uh, no, it's fucked. <laughs> Have a look at what the. I mean, that's going to be rough to edit. You just spent like two minutes building up to something. This and now it's fucked and stopped. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Leave it in. Uh, it looks like Bitcoin has been very slowly climbing over the last week. So I don't know. Maybe one day I'll get some of that money back. I don't know. Can we pause for a moment so I can check this voicemail I've just received. Yeah, of course. Sorry. I, I I muted the microphone for the um for the phone call. Uh, that's probably wise. <laughs> and and then I thought Yeah, I came back on know. and explained that I think somebody's been trying to scam me. That's fine. Is it Alex Goldman? <laughs> Man, you think Alex Goldman's trying to get his revenge? Imagine that. That'd be great. Uh Alex Goldman, if you are trying to scam me, uh that's a perfectly valid way of trying to get in contact with me. I'm just glad that you're reaching out, you know. Anyway, the line when when Marge and Sebastian Cobb arrive back in town and mm-hmm. Cobb says, I shouldn't have stopped for that haircut. Sorry. Has there ever been a better joke than that in oh. any piece of media in history? Um, um, hang on. Let me think of all jokes in media history. I've just moved on to my fourth page of four. So we're approaching the end of Marge versus the monorail. Hmm. No, I reckon that's the best joke. The absolute best one? I reckon that's the absolute best joke. Good point, Nick. I agree with you. Thank you for making that point. I miss the Quimby-Wiggum rivalry that used to be a part of the show. Yeah, that did used to be a recurring thing. Yeah, it it used to be a bit of a thing. Them butting heads. It's in this episode. It's just another little side plot. Hang on a second. I've got two notes. Two notes that we need to catch up to. Oh, fuck. Okay. Actually, yes. Two notes we need to catch up to. Firstly... On the monorail, when they're having the opening night party, yep. there is a framed picture of the Hindenburg yes, in flames and crashing. And That's I, on the monorail itself. On the monorail itself. And I really enjoy that. That is a very good choice of picture mm. to have. Um, secondly, the monorail... So when, Is this going to be about the Seldon break? No. Okay. Um, I like the Seldon break, but not enough to mention it. Sure. When the monorail speeds up and goes out of control... The sign that says Springfield Monorail peels off and reveals a 1964 World Fair sign. Yep. So I thought, was there a monorail at the 1964 World Fair? There was. It was in New York. It, there was a monorail. But the monorail was not riding on a track. Hmm. It was suspended below the track. Below the track? It was Yeah, like the track was hanging out and then the thing was hanging off below it. Kind of like a ski lift, but like a monorail version. So I don't know how they converted all these carriages and the engine to be upside down from what they were. Um, mm. There was a monorail overhead suspension and the 1964 World Fair was in New York. Do you remember an episode 66 of The Simpsons Index when Elliot made us watch that episode where they, uh, they shut down the monorail and killed Sebastian Cobb? Oh, wait, when the monorail came back to life. Yeah, one yeah. unpleasant episode that was. Yeah. Elliot, you shouldn't have made us watch that. I mean, it was a good episode of The, the Simpsons Index. It just wasn't a very good episode of The Simpsons. Exactly. Anyway, hey, speaking of, thing, th- speaking of things that are really enjoyable... The Cosmic Ballet. 
goes on. Oh, I've never... Have you ever been to a ballet performance? Like a cosmic one or just a regular one? Just a cosmic girl from another ballet. Um, no, I like a real ballet. Like, oh, you I, mean like the bear in the car? Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. The bear in the I've car. Been, I've seen the bear in the car, sure. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Was that preceding Swan Lake or, or, the, or the Nutcracker? The only two ballets that I know? I've seen a comedic parody of Swan Lake. Does that count? What? It was by Elf Lions. It was very good. Elf Lions. Elf Lions, if you're out there, I really enjoyed your show. Feel free to come on the podcast anytime. All right. Uh, the problem is that you're much funnier than either of us, frankly, and that could be, you know, maybe people would stop listening when you weren't on there anymore. Well, they'd go listen. There's to actually the- a long list of people that <laughs> we go- ever had on it they'd on go the listen- podcast. They'd go listen to the Elf cast. Yeah. Does she have a podcast? Why am I asking you? You hadn't even heard of her until a moment ago. Yep. She's funny though. She's good. Elf lines. If you're out there, I enjoy you, and I think Nick would like you. I think, I think you would. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Lyle Landley arrives in North Haverbrook, and when the people look at the plane and say, "There he is, seat three F." Yep. This is part of the ongoing thing about nobody who works on The Simpsons knowing how planes work. Sure. <laughs> I think. Yes. But used to great comedic effect instead of just being a weird thing that doesn't make sense. Excellent comedic effect. Yes. And then the rest of my notes uh, get a little wild. I've got... Can I say something about North Haverbrook? Yes. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a nice bit of uh, what I'm going to phrase as synchronicity. Synchronicity. The North... Uh, north. Fuck. The north. North. <laughs> the, the North Haverbrook runway mm. is as pockmarked and destroyed as Springfield's Main Street. Oh, that is nice. I that is nice, that. I was it? too busy making my little notes in my little notebook yeah. here. Tonight's the first time I've noticed it, but the North Haverbrook runway is fucked. It's fucked, and this fucks. Sure. Now, my notes from here get a little crazy. The next one is just, it's not Batman, which is a reference to a line this episode. Yes. And then fuck underlined... And then, how did they do this? And then, fuck again. <laughs> yeah. Because I just, I don't, I don't understand how they've made something this good. How anyone could ever make something this good. Everything I have ever done, cumulatively, if you take everything I've ever achieved, and you boil it down to a single finite achievement that represents the totality of everything I've ever done, and you held it up against this episode, it could not match up to 30 fucking seconds of it. No. No, because 30 fucking seconds of this episode would, according to your theory, have at least six jokes. And I'm not sure that you've done six jokes in your entire life. I'm trying. Is that harsh? (laughs) I'm up to four. I love you, man. (laughs) So Homer builds an anchor out of the W. No, the M on the monorail. The M on the monorail. I find it extraordinary that apparently the logo on the side of the monorail is made from, like... What appear to be solid cast iron bolted on shapes. Yes. Why weren't they just painted on? I mean, yeah, that would make more sense, but I guess they need the anchor. I guess so, yeah. Uh, You call that an anchor? So he makes the anchor, he throws it out the window, and then... (laughs) Captain Kevin McAllister there. (laughs) The uh, the anchor says drag along the ground, and I suddenly remembered the joke about the conjoined twins and started mm. preemptively laughing. Very good. I turned to you and explained why I was laughing. And then it happens and it's the funniest, stupidest shit in the world and I love it. It's the best. 
It's very funny and stupid. And then the episode ends with an escalator nowhere and a bunch of people going up and dying. It's, this is the best thing. The, the thing I love about the escalator to nowhere... My phone's just making all kinds of noises. You need to get a new phone, Nick. The, th- oh, <laughs> the thing I love about the escalator to nowhere is that we see three people riding up it and they, are, have, they have a perfect comic spacing between the second and the third. Yeah, and they're all designed up to Simpsons riders, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because we see that one guy pop up over and over again. Because the, the first two that fall off the escalator happen quite quickly. And then there's a Solid two or three seconds before the third, and that is how you do comedy. And the very last noise we hear in the episode is like a comical, like yipping noise. <laughs> like yep, yep. Oh my god! So, uh, good episode, pretty good. Yeah, maybe the best thing that's ever happened uh, to me in my life. And now, season four, episode thirteen, Selma's Choice. Except we've been recording for an hour, so we're out of time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Tune in next week for more pods. Let's, we'll run through this. It's good. Oh. It's good. <laughs> do you want to, or do you want to? I don't know. I thought it, I thought it'd be funny to do a fake ending thing, but you didn't join in. So it's just I wrote I wrote two pages of notes. Oh, you've written so many. F- I wrote two pages across these two episodes. Okay, so here's the thing. Selma's Choice is a Good episode. I think the last 10 minutes of this episode are outstanding. Sure. I think the first 10's a little shaky. Sure. And I think we can probably rush through a lot of that. All right. So this is the episode where someone's like, maybe I want to have kids. And then she looks up to Bud and Lisa and says, nah. Is that an accurate description, would you say? You haven't done the full quotes. Okay, let me go again. Yeah. So she says, oh, "I'm Selma. Wah, wah, wah. I'm I'm uh, I I, I, w- I want to have kids better because my my great aunt's dead, baby. So <laughs> she she looks after Bud and Lisa, Bud's and they're better. like, oh, "I'm Bud. I'm a troublemaker. I'm Lisa. I'm a goody two shoes, and I'm going to drink this water." And she says, oh, "I'm still Selma. Now I don't want to have kids. So I got a lizard, baby." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Right, I'm glad you bothered. I'm, gl- I'm glad you finally <laughs> came to the fucking party, James. <laughs> so it opens with Lance Murdoch saying, oh, I'm Lance Murdoch. I'm on my so, bike. So the Duff Gardens ad is he, baffling. Yeah. So it starts with Lance Murdoch, and we don't realise it's an ad at first. Yeah. But we see him jump through this big Fire. flames. Miss... <laughs> Pardon me. Miss the exit. Jesus. <laughs> That's a big waveform. I really like sneezing. I really lean into my sneezes. Are you a scream sneezer? Because Karen's not going to like you. I think I might be. Oh. I just... It's the one place you get to be like unabashedly enthusiastic oh, damn. In, in any situation. I really wanted the phrase to be unabashedly rambunctious because it's so many syllables. <laughs> um, uh, so the Advert Duff Gardens... Enthusiastic we- is more than rambunctious. <laughs> oh. yeah, in terms of syllables. Rambunctious so. is just a good word. It's a very good word. Mm. Um, so... Uh, Lance Murdoch misses the exit as he jumps the thing and so he crashes into the wall and presumably yep. dies and then we find out it's part of an ad for Duff Gardens was the brief for this ad that Lance Murdoch has to nearly die Lance Murdoch must die or is that an accident that happened during filming because we then see something else in the ad where they show something horrible oh when he when he falls off the, the roller coaster that's not yet complete yeah it was this ad filmed in one take because ads tend to be not done that way yeah put out a little hot take here I don't think the ad is that funny I think it might be because we've just watched Marge vs. the Monorail, which I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I think that's a really good episode. But uh, right. I think the joke, I think the, the washing machine, that one right he goes in yeah. that is literally just a washing machine, is pretty good. But like mm. the fish in the beer tank, that's no good. No, that's no good. 
the the roller coaster that isn't built yet is a little too silly for my taste. Little too silly, and also especially if you're watching it consecutively like this, we've just seen the elevators nowhere, which is the same joke but better. Yeah, took a midnight elevator, led nowhere. Uh, would you go to Duff Gardens? Do uh, you think this is your kind of place? Um, uh, I would go, but I'd be disappointed because Duff is a lager and I prefer ales. Hmm, okay. I think I feel like they'd have a variety of beers there. Really? I think so. I hope so. There's some sort of implication that Duff is a brewery with many different brands. Yeah, but don't we see in that one episode that they all come out of the same faucet? I don't know. We're drinking... Okay, if you said you were going to have a Cooper's, you would think Cooper's Pale, which is what we're drinking right now. Yes. But in actual fact, Cooper's has a Session Ale, they've got a Sparkling Ale, they've got a Brown, they've got a Stout, they've got a Celebration Ale. Yeah. Man, I'd forgotten about Celebration Ale. That was my jam for a while. Yeah, it's not as good as the Pale, I think. Yeah. I mean, Celebration Ale is stronger, Mm. uh, both in terms of flavor and in terms of percentage. But if you're going to do that, just go for the Sparkling, I think. Sparkling knocks me on my ass. Yes, it does. Fuck. I mean, Sparkling is like Cooper's Brewery Sparkling Ale. I think Adelol did the tasting notes for that once, and it was, do you need to drive this week? No, (laughs) have a Sparkling Ale. It's 1.7 standard drinks. And it's also got, it's got big bubbles in it, and big bubbles get you drunk faster than small bubbles. Yeah, right. Big bubbles. Talk about alcoholism. No, I'm not doing a good parody here. Uh... So Gladys dies. Gladys, who was one of our favorite characters, mm-hmm. right? So she's dead, and they all have to go to the funeral. And I'd forgotten how much of the start of this episode is just a road trip to a funeral. Yeah, I like a significant that too, portion of the episode is just them driving to this funeral. And this is a bit weird. This is a bit of a weird episode at the start. Mm. There's some jokes that have not aged particularly well. Uh, there's the funeral director. Yeah. Which, when he's reading the speech, and he is using he and him pronouns, and is mm. then corrected by a whispering person, and he says, oh my god, that's a woman? Yeah. Not a very woke wake. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh. Thanks. Oh. Thanks. All right. Oh. That is the end of podcast. Triumphantly cross this note off. You keep turning the book away when I'm trying to look at it, like you're just trying to... Sorry, I was. What I was trying to do—you're doing it again. What I was trying to do, James, I was trying to get it close to the microphone so I could cross it out nicely. Not a very woke wake. Okay, okay, very good. As I've said before on this uh, this podcast, this podcast being Pods in the Key of Springfield, don't forget to subscribe and rate. Uh, A thing I don't like so much is all the jokes about like Patty and Selma, like aren't uh, you know like that feminine and thus they're disgusting. I feel like there's a lot of that shit. In The Simpsons throughout its entire run. It's, just, it's not very good. Not very good. And there's a bit of that in here. Selma does get to be more of a character, but it's still, you know. Well, well, when you say more of a character, do you mean like, oh, he's a little character. Oh, oh look oh, at this he, little character. Look at this little character. Or do you mean like um, like a, a character? In yeah, a, like a Tennessee Williams character. A, a Tennessee Williams character. Yeah. You're right. She should eat some cat food. <laughs> what? Purina. We talked about that the other day, remember? <laughs> yeah, okay, I, yeah. Sorry, that was a bit of a long boat <laughs> to draw. I had to make the mental connections. It was. You had, to, you had to recall the very specific conversation about a scene in Glass Menagerie. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so what have I got here? They Gladys has the uh, Robert Frost poem, The Road Less Travelled. Yes. On her video wake or video will. Is that the one that ends in, um, I have promises to keep and many miles to go before I sleep? 
Is no. it? No, I think I that's a different so. one. I think that's no, one. This is the one that's like, I took the road less traveled and that has made all the difference. The one that, uh, you know, people think means you should take the less traveled option, but actually means no, don't do that. Isn't it great when people completely misunderstand pop culture? Yeah, it's almost like... It's almost like you shouldn't base, you know, your entire thought processes on, like, aphorisms you picked up from poetry you didn't understand. <laughs> well, my favourite example of that, and fuck, this might be another Robert Frost example. <laughs> sure. Uh, hey, Frosty, want some snow? Anyway, carry on. Um, uh, there's a poem I remember looking at at one point that had, it kept coming back to the refrain, good fences make good neighbours. Ah, yes. And it was based, I think that's Robert Frost, but it was, the wider theme in this one was talking about how by segmenting ourselves off, we are becoming more fragmented as a society and becoming less willing to help our fellow man. Yeah. Good fences make good neighbours. This is my bit of land. That is your bit of land. We can't help each other or try to try to use the land to its best abilities because good fences make good neighbours. Yeah. And then Stratco, a fencing company in South Australia, started <laughs> using the line, good fences make good neighbours, to sell their fucking fences. Stratco, you're on notice. You're on notice. <laughs> You've been nicked. Nobody's safe. <laughs> Nobody's safe from the pointless outbursts of anger of this moron. Wouldn't go that hard. <laughs> so, look, Lionel Hutz alters Gladys's will to try to indicate that she left him a bunch of money. Now, Nick, you work in law. Have you ever done this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not ever edited a will to try and get some money. <laughs> on your page and you're just tracing around it what are you doing i'm just peacefully tracing around a golf tee what's wrong it's tea time <laughs> it's 406 in the afternoon it's perfect it's always time for tea um no i'm never, but interestingly yeah. uh, fairly recently this uh, within the last kind of three or four years the supreme court of south australia uh, had a case where someone actually did a video will and they upheld it as being legal. Okay. Because there was a bit of a question about that because... Is that um, not a thing you can do, typically? Uh, it was it was a grey area because it hadn't been tested in this specific state before. Okay. Um, and uh, there's a bit of a question about, um, you know, when you need to talk about the the document and whether the document met certain requirements. Are you like, talking about the REM album document or... No, I am not. Okay. I'm talking about under the Wills Act of 1936, I think, um, a will needs two independent witnesses to it. And like then, Michael Stipe and one of the other guys from R.E.M. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I don't know why I thought that would be a fun joke. <laughs> but the amount of laughter I'm receiving indicates that maybe it was. Oh, Stipe will be stoked for the shout-out. Um... um um. Uh, yeah. So there were a couple of Peter questions. Buck. That's so, another guy. I am sorry. Sure. Go on. Yeah, big Peter Buck hunter. There are <laughs> one of my favorite video games to play in an arcade. Um, um. Yeah. So there are a couple of questions about whether or not a video will would be um approved. Uh, it was also mm. one of the weirdest wills that was approved in South Australia. Someone had painted a message on a wall. Okay. And that, and that was admitted. It wasn't like, I'll be back or something like that? Or? No, it was... Um, it it's was... like, you know how sometimes in a video game, like you walk like through a facility and people have just written shit all over the walls? It wasn't like that. The cake is a lie. Yeah, do beware when... Columbus, all that. Do you remember when that became a meme? The cake being a lie? <sighs> Nick, that was... 
I mean, I couldn't get away from it for a while. It fucking haunted me. It was so tedious. And then people in real life would say it to me. I'm like, shut the fuck up, buddy. <laughs> I mean, yep. You see me clenching a fist here. I mean, I'm not a violent person, but... Mm. Whew, I don't care. For... I remember being at uni and saying to someone, oh, I think I might get a piece of cake from the canteen. Ah, uh, don't even finish and, this story. <laughs> and they responded with, but the cake is a lie. Is it that one guy that it might have been? No, it wasn't okay. that guy. Because <laughs> there was guy. a guy that you knew at uni who... Who we very, shouldn't get into that. <laughs> who it very easily could have been. Yeah. But it wasn't. Right, you're on notice, everyone I went to uni with. <laughs> uh, this episode, Selma decides she wants to start dating and have a kid. So she goes to Low Expectations Dating Service. Now, I feel like if that existed, I'd be a good candidate for Low Expectations Dating Service. Low Expectations I think dating going on a service. date with me having low expectations is probably wise. Sure. Yeah. Right. Which, what would you say? I once went on a date with great expectations oh, in yeah. my bag because it was a book that I had just bought by Jane Austen. Okay. Great expectations. Hello, everyone. Editor James here, the eighth member of Pods in the Key of Springfield, I think. Just want to jump in and note that Great Expectations was not written by Jane Austen. It was, in fact, written by Charles Dickens. I should have picked up on that during the recording, especially considering that I have actually read parts of Great Expectations and promptly forgot all about its existence, so uh, that's on me. Although, you know, I'm the editor, I could just say it's Nick's fault, because it kind of is, I mean, it's his whole, it's Nick's fault, Nick fucked up. Okay, uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. I once bought a book that Jane Austen wrote. Nick, you about... never bought Great Expectations. <laughs> Come on. I once bought a book that Jane Austen wrote about spitting called Great Expectorations. I don't believe you've ever bought a book. <laughs> I once bought a book about omelets called Great Expectations. <laughs> now that I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a cookbook about eggs by... with also some like universal theories by Jane, about... <laughs> Jane Omelets. <laughs> Jane Omelets. That's that's good enough. <laughs> Pods in the Key of Springfield. That's good enough. Um, I like that um, she goes to see. Um, oh fuck! What what is it? Is Princess Penelope? I don't remember her name. What um, the 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 woman that has all the the hexes and oh, potions? Yep, yep, yep. Whatever her name is. Um, and she talks about the love potion, and she puts a drop on her tongue, and then she says, "Oh, it's mostly just corn syrup. Um, you'll be lucky if it doesn't make your hair fall out. Make your yeah. hair fall out." And then she turns the bottle around, and turns out that she accidentally consumed the truth serum. Mm. I've always liked the George Orwellian 1984 double think that's going on in this joke, <laughs> because the joke is that these potions don't work, but for that joke to be built, they have to make the potion work, James. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very, very strange when you break. Does it mean she down. has just one very good serum, and it's it's her undoing? Or uh, yeah, well, it, that that must be it. But then it's almost as though. Is, does the truth serum accidentally work? And she's not actually planned on it working. And all the others, she knows they're all hoaxes. But for some reason, this <laughs> This is of, the one legitimate serum she has. The one legitimate serum, which of, of which she may or may not have been aware of that. But if she can build a genuine truth serum, why is she not also building genuine love potions? I don't know. I mean, truth and love. Really, Nick? Are they, are they not very different? Is there not... You know, it doesn't doesn't loving someone require lying to them quite extensively. I reckon truth and love was the first draft. Have I been wrong about love this whole time? <laughs> I reckon, 
Possibly. It does, it's a pretty hot take. Speaking of which... I reckon Truth and Love was the first draft of Macy's Playground Sex and Candy. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, okay. <laughs> Speaking of which... Now, Nick... Uh, you know, some time ago I added, oh yes, and I really hate yo-yos to my Tinder profile. Oh, how'd that go? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of comments about it, but I'm wondering, should I also add the phrase, you're looking at a free lunch, come and get it? Ooh, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. I would not add that phrase. <laughs> I've um, already got the photo with all the cigarettes on my tongue. <laughs> oh, that's true. You do do that. But mm. one uh, one thing I'd like to know about the, oh yes, I really hate yo-yos. Yep. Are people picking it as a Simpsons reference? Or are they saying, what are you having as yo-yos? Universally, people asking what I have against yo-yos. Universally, yeah, a lot of women have asked me, "What the fuck is your problem with yo-yos?" I didn't realize you were at Universal Studios. I actually have. Have I been to Universal? No, I've been to Warner Brothers Studios. Oh, okay, that's fine. All right, cool. It's fun. It's good. Is that where the Animaniacs are held? (laughs) Yeah, in the water tower. You can just hear them nogging. Oh, boss! I saw the water tower. And, um, is there a genuine water? And then because you'd just been playing Just Cause 2, you got out your sniper rifle, <laughs> two bullets, and you shot it and flooded the town. Deep cut Just Cause 2 reference there. Sure. <laughs> the, um, the band Hooray for Everything pops up in this episode. Keep dancing, 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 dance. I feel like this is only the second time they've popped up. I yeah. don't know if they pop up again. Yeah, no, I reckon you're right. So you got these weird little fringe characters just off having their little adventures inside the world of The Simpsons. Speaking of weird little fringe characters, Dolph. He's got a weird fringe and he's a little Oh, okay, (laughs) Um, yes. After Hooray for Everything, the ad keeps going on in the background and they show a ride called The Contusion. Yes. Did you pay attention to that? I saw The Contusion. It is a Newton's Cradle. (laughs) One of those things with the silver balls that clack into each other and swing outside the side. But it is a Newton's cradle that operates through people's skulls. Yeah. Or like live people with their heads strapped into this cradle and they're just banging away at their heads. Yeah, it's like the human centipede of rides. It's brutal. Not sure that that's the case. <laughs> Not sure that <laughs> you that's think a, I went in too hard there? I'd say it's like a Newton's cradle that's powered by heads. There's a lot of jokes about cum in this episode. Mm. In that Selma goes to a sperm bank. Or as mm. I like to call it, the cum bank. And a bit weird that the cum bank has a catalogue of like dudes you can flick through. I'm like, I want that guy's cum. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- uh, I don't know if that's how it works. It seems unlikely. From what I've heard anecdotally, sperm donation is a bit of a nightmare. Like there's a lot of, you know, it's not you just go in there and give them your semen and mm. you know, leave and everything's fine. Like I think there's a lot of tests involved. They right. really, like, vet you for the quality of like, your expulsion. Like like geography tests? <laughs> like, you need to be able to point out where is... You need to be able to identify a lot of capital cities. Where's Dandenong? You need to know the difference between... Uh, what are the different cloud types? There's, like, cumulus. <laughs> oh, there's... Uh, yeah, there's uh, cumulonimbus. There's yep. st- stratus. Yep, sure. Can we talk about rock types? I'm much better at those. I don't think so. There's, there's igneous... <laughs> There's um, uh, 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 sedimentary, and there's... Um, fuck, the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about rock types? I'm much better at that, in that I know two out of the three. <laughs> okay, igneous, they're the volcanic ones, because they're created by fire. Yep, Ignatius, sure. Um, Main character of the Confederacy of Dunces. Um, there are sedimentary, which are the ones from the bottom of the ocean. Yep, sedimentary, the, my dear Watson, got and it. And then there's the third one, which are meant to be, like, they're not called fossils, because they're, <laughs> they're separate. 
God, I'm an idiot. Why did I bring up rocks? Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the third rock has always been Earth itself. From the sun? Yeah. <clears throat> Thank Starring you. John Lithgow. Yeah, that was an okay show. Yeah. Wait a minute, you've seen it, enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, it used to be on free-to-air a lot, and I used to watch it every now and then. Okay. Um, what are you Googling right now, third kind of rock? Metamorphic rocks. Metamorphic. 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 The hell happened to my metamorph? I feel like this episode, um, Selma has a ham radio, and I feel like this episode is responsible for the fact that we oh. still know what a ham radio is. I've got some interesting notes to say about that. Do you? The term ham was first a pejorative term used in professional wired telegraphy during the 19th century. Oh, good. To mock operators that had poor Morse code sending skills, i.e., ham-fisted. Ooh. The term continued to be used after the invention of radio and it became a term used for amateur radio, but okay. not like, not as a play on amateur. It was a play on ham-fisted as people that did Morse code badly. Amateur. Um, amateur. And then by the mid-20th century, it has lost its pejorative meaning because people kept using it. But what I would tell you, James, is that when I was a child and I saw this episode and Just they said, little boy. and they said ham radio, I thought it was a ham radio in the sense that a potato clock is powered by a potato. <laughs> I thought that this was a radio powered by ham, James. <laughs> I was very That's confused. good. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. What would a radio powered by ham, how would that work? How, what would it sound like? Who would you be able to talk to, do you think? Would just be like it would connect you to like barnyards or Porky Pig. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jumped right into that. I'm like, do I know how to do a Porky Pig impression? Well, you're doing one right now. You're so doing one right now. Keep riding the wave. Um, you can put your pants back on though. I don't think I'm going to. Mm. But my shirt's kind of chafing me. <laughs> I take that oh. off. See, I made that joke last episode and then I forgot about it. Oh, yeah. I take my pants, throw them away. <laughs> Fuck. Um, Here's my theory. Yep. Because <clears throat> we see that Bart dares Lisa to drink the water. Lisa drinks the water. Lisa starts going crazy. At Duff Gardens, yep. yep. At Duff Gardens. Starts going crazy in a tunnel on a boat surrounded by stuff. Here's my theory. Did Willy Wonka drink the water in the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> you know when they're in the tunnel going yeah, through the yeah. boat and he starts doing the crazy there's no way of knowing in which direction we are going. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane blowing? Sure. And then like the, the crazy footage of like the chicken being decaffeinated. Is that all Dean being decaffeinated? <laughs> Come yeah. with me and you'll see. It's, we're not talking about the sperm bank anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, so I think Willy, Wong- Willy Wonka drank the water. And then I think Peter Piper picked a pickle, yeah. pickle peppers. Yeah, Willy Wonka drank the water riding on a pony, etc. <laughs> I got to... <laughs> just... Robbed a chicken of its hat and um, uh, then did a big camaroni. Have you ever been to Disneyland? No. Okay, well, have you ever been... <laughs> You obviously haven't been on the It's a Small World ride. No, I have not. I have been on the... Wouldn't it be weird if my answer was yes? (laughs) (laughs) I've been on the It's a Small World ride at Disneyland in Anaheim. And let me tell you, you lose your mind on that ride. Really? It is far too long and pretty boring. Uh, I've got videos I could show you, but we're on a podcast right now. It doesn't seem worth it. They pump the air full of hallucinogens. <laughs> yeah, you go on this boat and they send you on their way and everyone's like, it's a small world, this is the song, I don't remember how it goes. It's a small world after all, it's a small world after all, it's a small world after all. 
So you go on there and it gets weird and uh where'd the bear come from? <laughs> Fucking hell In a small world after all that bear just tore Jimmy's face off. Yeah. Not a good ride, but uh you kind of like it goes on for such a long time that your mind starts to break at a certain point. It's like I've had enough of this song and these little children and I can understand why you would drink the water. Yeah. <laughs> why you would lean into it. I don't yeah. know what was in this water. Mm. Why the water's full of hallucinogens and, you know, madness powder, but... Madness powder. Now, the whole reason that Selma is taking the kids to oh, yes. the uh, two Duff Gardens, of course, yes, is that yes, Homer yes, yes, yes. cannot stop eating a big sandwich. Yes. Extremely relatable content. <laughs> mm. I feel like the sandwich is a vital character in this episode in many ways... The for this episode just by itself, he, he, it's like the ninth member of the Simpsons. I see. It's making a brief cameo as after the original fight. The town of Springfield itself, which I consider to be an original character, Mr. Burns, Patty, and Selma, who I consider to be one character at this point in the show. Eventually, they'll become their own people. Interesting. Actually, that's not true. I just realized that I hadn't counted both of them when I said nine, and I, I tried to, and then I now am realizing I that I have to take back what I originally said. I reckon this explanation can stop. <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone's keeping count uh, So the sandwich is good The joke about finding it behind a radiator is very good uh, Homer being very sick in this episode And missing out on Duff Gardens Is what I think about any time I have like anything I'm looking forward to coming up Oh, you think you're going to do a hoju? I'm just constantly thinking, what if I just get very sick? Like, mm. just yesterday I booked tickets to see some members of the uh, cast of Twin Peaks give a little presentation in oh, late August. Interesting. And already I'm thinking, God, I hope I'm well for that. <laughs> right. And I don't get sick very often. I've been no. sick maybe once in the last two years. It's uh-huh. still every time. Hang on, w- weren't you sick three weeks ago on this recording? Yeah, yeah. that was the time. Oh, that was the time. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, um, I, I feel like I haven't been healthy for about four years. <laughs> I feel like I've been running at about 60% capacity for a long time. Yeah, I feel like you've said that. I mean, at this point, I feel like 60% capacity is just normal. So yeah, I don't that, get that as being sick. I'm just always tired. Is that what adulthood feels like? I think it's what uh, modern adulthood feels like when none of us are quite making enough money and we're working too hard and the I rental say. market is such a... We have such constant stresses. Yeah. And if we have any older listeners, it's your generation's fault. <laughs> if we have any older... You might be an okay person, but you know, you, you kind of fucked us. If we have any, any older listeners, why? <laughs> anyway. Uh... Speaking of which, 22 immigrant laborers died in the creation of some sort of giant beer pyramid. and The uh, aluminium can pyramid. Yes. Yeah, that's not great. No, it's and unfortunate. Then, and then Lisa develops synesthesia. Yeah, sure. She, she, can, she, she, can, uh, she can see the rainbow? She can see the music. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Sure. I was going to say she's eating a bunch of Skittles, but she's seeing music. I mean, she might have still eaten Skittles. They make you taste the rainbow. There's 37 minutes until the shop shuts. I'm pretty keen to get some Skittles. Okay. I haven't had Skittles for a long time. Yeah, I don't know if you're missing that much. Yeah, maybe not. Now, the Seven Duffs, back in the day, after Season 6 was on Australian TV, they released these trading cards with Australia. They were the Bart versus Australia trading cards, sure. and you could go and collect them in the little, you know, blind booster packs. Yeah. And I had quite a few of them. 
and they had these like limited edition special cards that were based on the seven duffs. Special. I don't know why. They had wow. nothing to do with this episode, but wow. I had one of the seven duffs. Mm. I think they were like a limited production number. They had like the number on there, how many of those cards were made. And I think about that sometimes. I think I've looked it up on eBay and it's worth nothing. Right. But I had that card and I was very fond of it. Yeah, right. And it was like in the shape of the the, the, the little duff guy as well. You had that card right up until the time we were doing production on our Reply All homage <laughs> episode. And then Michael Irving punched you in the face, took the card. Ooh. And that's how his collection's so big. We're on to you, Michael. Oh, Michael. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> this episode is the longest recording that we've ever done. <clears throat> and turns out... I'm not sure I can get through it. <laughs> I'm rapping AB and I'm here to say, if you want to drink beer, Duff's the only way. Is this the start of the, I'm so-and-so and I'm here to say, or is that just the no, standard? No, it's not the start of that. For a start, we saw Homer do it three episodes ago. Um, <laughs> That's true. Um, but also- Then is it the start of the South Australian uh, food tradition of the AB? Because he says oh, I'm rapping AB. Possibly. Um, Let's not get into that too much. Oh. Yeah, okay. I guess. No, I was, well, yeah, okay. I was going to talk about how in other states it's called a HSP and that it comes with chili sauce and it's, it's better. Yeah, it's excellent because over here we have the worst name imaginable, the AB, which stands for the abortion. And then in other states, they call it the Halal Snack Pack, the coolest, most politically correct name imaginable. Yeah. It's ludicrous. I've actually never believed the story about how it's called AB because of an abortion. No? No. I, I, I don't know why. I just think that that is a retrofitted story i've always i don't know i've always just taken it as its word i don't as know the thing that it is i have i i guess because it you know, I, I don't know why i i like to think that at some point um euros meat was like option a chips were option b or you could get them both and call it the ab to me mm. it i think it's much more likely to be that than it is to be this <laughs> the, con- the most horrific possible yeah. The, the naming most, convention. Yeah, the most willfully offensive naming convention of all time. Would you like me to rush through the rest of my notes very quickly since we are going very long? Yes, and then I'll have a coffee and a Panadol. Okay, so what have I got here? The beer goggles The par- Bart puts on? A paracetamol. Sorry, I didn't mean to advertise one brand over another. Okay, well good. Or the Panadol, if you are listening, we are looking for funding and sponsors. Uh... Imagine if after this episode we get sponsored by by GlaxoSmithKline, the makers of Panadol, and by Samsung, because I've mentioned the Galaxy <laughs> S9 Plus four times. Samsung, if you'd like to send me a Galaxy S4 Plus as well. So we can... S9 Plus. I'm happy with the four. No, you're not. It's like eight years old. You fucking monster. Do you reckon unboxing... You with monster? Do you reckon unboxing podcasts are going to become a thing? Sure, you can unbox your phone while I just uh, read off the rest of my notes. Yeah. Uh, now, I mentioned a few episodes ago that uh, Troy McClure mentions the erotic adventures of Hercules, and this yeah. is the first time we actually get to see one of these films he mentions offhand, and we get to see it in this this one. I like that Marge rents porn. To me, that's good. It is good that Marge rents porn, because it fits in very nicely with your thing that you are constantly happy that we see Marge has an active sex life. Yes. Uh, what else have I got here? Selma making Lisa drink the water always confused me as a child, but now it just kind of makes sense to me. Because she the, doesn't know what else to do. Because it's the quickest way to stop the argument. Uh, Lisa losing her mind is my shit. Yardley Smith is really good. I don't know what was in that water. Uh, the last ten minutes of this episode totally rule. It's, it's, it turns into a very good episode after a shaky start, I think. Uh, is there any um, is there any scope for um, Colossus shenanigans? 
Colossus shenanigans in the water. Ooh, you think he's? Could Colossus have done some some tinkering with the water? I don't know if this is a Colossus thing. No. Okay. I'll I just, don't know. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I mean, Colossus is always on my mind and in my heart. I don't know if it's a Colossus water though. Is that a reference to a song? Uh, it was actually kind of. You're the reason in my life. You're the inspiration. I feel like I had that song playing in my head as I was saying it. You're the voice. Try to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else have I got here? Homocles cares not for beans. That's good. Yes. Oh, I, I've said that phrase a lot yes, with, without have. the context. <laughs> um, often when people are asking me to, to undertake some kind of menial task, and you know, James, I don't like menial tasks. That's true. Homocles cares not for beans tends to be my... Wow, this... the. The S9 is a lot taller than I expected it to be. Look at that compared to the S7. Yeah, that's a handsome phone you've got there. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> and uh, my last note is that it seems a little rushed that Selma just decides that she can't have kids because Bart and Lisa are a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, is it not um, pretty well established that Bart and Lisa are atypically nightmarish? Yeah, they're tiny terrors or toothy terrors, toothpasty terrors. Ah, toothpasty terrors. Oh, wait, are you saying that Bart and Lisa are part of Colossus's grand... Uh, 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 Dr. Colossus Terrible Time Frankly I don't think I have time to make that assertion at this point I see <laughs> I uh, see I uh, uh... All right. Did you have any other notes about Selma's choice in which Selma has a choice I've, um, I've just unboxed my phone Yep. It looks quite good and I have absolutely no energy to set it up So okay. I'll do that Later, not on a podcast recording. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to do an eat my shorts about you setting up your phone? <laughs> uh, listen, oh, now it's saying that I need to enter my date of birth, so I'm just going to do that, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll read it out loud because that's how I do things. And my mail calculations. Um, no, I'm not going to do any of those things. I have no more notes on this one. Good episode. Not as good as Marge vs. the Monorail, though. I would have to agree. Nothing that has ever been made is. You know, we we. Because when we were doing Marge vs. the Monorail, I, um, sorry, when we were watching it, I said we could almost do that as a standalone episode like we do for the, for the, the Treehouse tree of yeah. Horrors. Given that this has been an hour and 35 minutes, so at least on the recording time, it may have been edited down a bit uh, by this point, we yeah. probably could have done that, to be honest. Yeah, I seriously considered it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we're, we're here now. Um, thanks for anyone that got all the way through to this point. Um, send us a tweet. Let us know if you've actually managed to get through to the end of this episode. Yeah, sure. And uh, we'll uh, see you next time on Pods in the Key of Springfield. Pods in the Key of Springfield gmail.com. Thanks to Marigold Bartlett for our cover art. We're on yeah. Twitter and all the other places. Woozle Wuzzle. I'm the Lizard Queen! Bye! For once I had a line locked and loaded. It had to be that one. Of course it did. Very good. I need another copy. So, I'm currently... The, the recording table is a little messier than normal. I want to talk briefly about the brain snap I had, which resulted in me having this, which is a box that has the Samsung Galaxy S9 in it. Nick, are you about to do some sort of marketing bit? No. So <laughs> you were holding that phone up like... Uh... Yeah, like a fine bottle of wine. Yeah. No, so the other day, I sat down, I was at my computer, and I thought, oh, I reckon I've had my current phone for about two years. I wonder if I can upgrade. I wonder if my two-year contract has ended. Sure, yeah. So I checked, and within moments of checking... I had 
ordered. I had changed my plan and ordered that new phone, the S9 Plus. Okay. Um, which is weird because I normally do quite a bit of research before I get a phone, and it arrived four or five days ago. And as soon as I took it out of the box, my first thought was, I cannot be bothered with the process of setting up a new phone. And I'm not sure when I'm going to get to that, to be honest. Or if. I'm knowing you. Real chance that I'm just not going to. And by the time the the S13 comes out, I'll have finally uh, started using my S9. Yeah, you'll be listening to uh, our podcast on your podcatcher of choice on a... <laughs> on a uh, at that point four year old S nine plus yeah um, yeah so I just thought that I think that's a nice little uh, demonstration of how strange I can be sometimes that I went onto a website to check something went into a trance like state ordered the new phone and now have no interest or ability to deal with the minutia that I've created for and myself. you're yet to leave the trance either which has been a real issue for you in everyday life um to some extent yes you've got like those you know those like spinny eyes where you just look in and it's just like a spinning sort of thing do you mean like the hypnosis spiral yeah hypnosis yeah it's like an uzumaki an uzumaki yeah which is just a Japanese word for spiral Oh, okay, cool. Cause have you a... ever read Junji Ito's Uzumaki? No, I haven't. And okay. for a moment, I thought you were... Because when I think of those hypnosis spirals, I think of um, early 2000s shock comedy magician Rudy Kobe. Rudy Kobe? <laughs> Does anyone remember Rudy Kobe? I, I don't know. I don't think that's a real person. It just sounds like a brand of cheese to me. It was a cat, and that's Colby. Um, no, I'm pretty sure it's Rudy Colby. <laughs> or whatever it is you said. Kobe Smulders. Ru- yes, she does. Rudy... Kobe. Rudy Kobe. I reckon... How zoomed in is my computer, by the way? Yeah, what's going on? Um, I mean, you're showing me photos of this guy, like that's going to make a difference. This is this doesn't even look like a real person, Nick. No. What, this is just Max Headroom. No, no, no. I mean, it's a character. He was playing a character. Look, he's got like... He's a magician with a white coat and green pants. He had a sidekick that had like... Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Why are you hair. showing me this nightmare? Because <laughs> it had the spiral. And I was just going to say that, because w- I was going to say whenever I think about it, because he used these hypnosis spirals all the time in his stupid magic shows. And I was going to say whenever I think about those hypnosis spirals, I think about Rudy Kobe. And then you said fucking Hamazaki or whatever it was you said. And I was like, wait, we're both saying weird words. <laughs> Weird's a strong word for a foreign language. But anyway. <laughs> Hamazaki. <laughs> Hamazaki. I, that's not what you said, was it? No. Is Hamazaki like a Hayao Miyazaki's knockoff brand? <laughs> I'm going to say that I don't know enough about either of those words to properly riff on this riff. And that's been Pods in the Key of Springfield. Goodbye, everyone.